You're listening to sermon audio from Ransom City Church. For more audio content, visit ransomcitychurch.org. A slight change of plans because things with the coronavirus have been changing and developing seemingly by the minute this past week. Um, We will be live streaming the sermon right here, right now with me. (laughs) I'll be preaching to you. And then after the sermon live stream, you can head over to... Uh, ransomcitychurch.org and click on the Sunday live stream page link. Um, if you go to the front page of ransomcitychurch.org, it's just the, the picture that says Sunday live stream. You click on that um, or go to our YouTube page itself, the Ransom City Church YouTube page. And then Greg is going to lead us in worship and through the rest of the service through a pre recorded video that uh, is posted right now to the website and will be posted to the YouTube page. So after I'm done preaching, go to ransomcitychurch.org or our YouTube page and you'll be able to find that video and Greg will lead us through the rest of the service. Bear with us as this is obviously an ongoing situation, developing pretty regularly and and changing quickly. So this was kind of the best solution we could come up with for this week with all the changes. Um, We'll be live streaming again next week at the very least. But we may come up with a better way to go all about, go about all of this between now and then. We'll just keep you guys posted with any updates uh, via the weekly newsletter and at ransomcitychurch.org. Um, you can always check there for up-to-date information. So we'll always have ransomcitychurch.org um, updated uh, with any pertinent updates for you guys. So you can always check there or, again, the weekly newsletter. Um, and we'll just keep you guys posted with any and all updates, not just about the live stream, uh, but going forward from there. So we'll at least be live streaming again next week, and we'll just keep you guys posted from there again in the weekly newsletter and at ransomcitychurch.org. All that said, uh, open your Bibles to Romans 2, 25 through 29. That's where we're going to be this morning, Romans 2, 25 through 29. Um, I'll read our text and pray for us, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Um, so Romans 2, 25 through 29 says, for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his circumcision be regarded as uncircumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. I'll pray for us. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for the time together this morning. Lord, that we have uh, the technology to be able to do this, even though we can't meet normally. Lord, that we can gather digitally and and still gather together as your people, worship you, um, hear your word preached and be encouraged by it. Um, Lord, just be with us in this time as a church community. I pray for everybody in the healthcare field, um, that you would be with them, that you would protect them. I pray for um, health and, and uh, just healing for anybody struggling with the virus. Um, Lord, but ultimately we pray your will be done. Um, just be with us as we continue to gather as your people in um, uh, unconventional times. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so to better understand our text, before we jump in and start unpacking the actual text, let's start with a brief overview of circumcision. Um, In short, 
because that's the topic that Paul's dealing with a, a lot in this passage. In short, circumcision was an old covenant sign signifying that one was set apart to God and part of the old covenant, visible covenant community. Um, in other words, old covenant Israel. Um, under the old covenant, it was required that every male Jewish boy be circumcised on the eighth day. We see this in Leviticus 12.3, amongst other places, but Leviticus 12.3 says, and on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Um, to give you an illustration of what this symbolized, um, the flesh of every male Jewish boy uh, being cut away on the eighth day uh, was symbolic of them being set apart to God as his covenant people, as old covenant Israel, and that they were to live accordingly as the set, set apart covenant people of God uh, in the old covenant. Um, circumcision, just to be clear, um, never saved. Uh, it never saved. It was simply a sign that you were set apart to God and supposed to live accordingly as members of the old covenant covenant, covenant community. Again, old covenant Israel. Um, old covenant saints were saved by grace through faith in Christ like we are, not by circumcision. Um, the 1689 Baptist Confession, uh, chapter 11 on justification, chapter 11, paragraph 6, uh, says as much. It says, in all these ways, the justification uh, of believers, uh, meaning being made right with God, uh, under the Old Testament was exactly the same as the justification of believers under the New Testament. Right, So old covenant saints were saved by grace, it was undeserved, through faith in the Messiah to come. Right, They were saved by grace uh, through faith like we are. It was just in the Messiah to come who was Jesus, who hadn't come yet. In the new covenant, uh, we're saved by grace through faith in the Messiah who has come, who has already come and fulfilled all righteousness for us and died uh, on the cross on our behalf, right? So the 1689 uh, chapter 11, again, uh, in, in paragraph two says, faith that receives and rests on Christ and his righteousness is the only instrument of justification, right? Uh, not circumcision or any other work. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. That was true for them and it's true for us. So circumcision never saved, just to clarify so to, to give you an illustration, thinking um, that I'm circumcised, therefore I'm saved from the wrath of God, is akin to thinking I've been baptized, therefore I'm saved from the wrath of God. No, <laughs> no, it, it's a sign. Um, it doesn't save. Uh, faith in Christ alone is what saves us from the wrath of God. Amen, right? So now, with that in mind, we're ready to, to jump into and walk through and kind of unpack our text. So just take that information with you. Again, circumcision never saved, right? We're always, the, the people of God have always been saved by grace through faith in Christ. And the old covenant was through faith in the Messiah to come, and the new covenant's through faith in the Messiah who has come. Verse 25, let's jump in now. Verse 25 says, for circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So in other words, if you're trying to be justified, uh, to be saved by your works, circumcision would be of value as a sign that you've been set apart and are under the covenant favor of God if you kept the law perfectly, but you don't. 
right? I'll say that again. If you're trying to be saved, trying to be justified by your work, circumcision would be of value as a sign that you've been set apart and are under the covenant favor of God if you kept the law perfectly, but you don't. In other words, it would signify what the uh, the uh, Roman audience, the Jewish Roman audience that Paul's writing to, would a lot of them seem to think it does in error. It would sim- signify that you and God are boys, as we talked about last week, and that you're safe from the wrath of God if you were perfectly obedient, but you're not. That's kind of the idea. And if that's true, as Paul says, but if you break the law, which you do, and all of us as sinners do, right? He goes on to say, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision, meaning that you're outside of the covenant, not counted among the people of God, and destined for wrath like everybody else, right? Meaning you're outside of the covenant, not counted among the people of God, and destined for wrath like everybody else. If you're trying to be justified to be saved by your works, you're in the same boat, this is saying, as every Gentile unbeliever. You're destined for hell if you don't repent because you don't perfectly keep God's law. That's the problem with trying to be justified by your works. So it doesn't matter if you're physically circumcised. That won't save you. If you're trying to be justified by your works, that will not save you. Circumcision does not save, right? Um, This is, uh, to give you an illustration, uh, something I thought of this week in thinking through this. It's, It's kind of like a... A uh, restaurant that doesn't accept certain credit cards, often it's American Express. I don't know what they did wrong, but um, for some reason that's often the one. But it's like a restaurant that doesn't accept certain credit cards. God doesn't accept circumcision or any other work for that matter that we'd be saved. That's the idea. The only payment that God accepts is the blood of Christ, which is counted to us by faith, right? So the question is, do you have faith in Christ or not? Because that's the only thing that saves. Not your circumcision, not your baptism, not whether you take communion, uh, not how much you give, not how often you go to church, not being raised in a Christian home. Only faith in Christ. Faith in Christ and his finished works on your behalf, his perfect life and sacrificial death in your place alone is what saves. Right, Faith in Christ alone and his perfect works, which are counted to you by faith. So we've talked about this before as a church, but I think it's helpful to bear in mind. We are justified by works, which I know you're like, hang on, what? Here's what I mean. We are justified, justified by works. It's just Christ's works and not our own, which are counted to us by faith. Does that make sense? So we're justified by works, yes, but not ours. Christ's finished works on our behalf which are counted to us by faith. Galatians 2, 15 and 16 uh, tells us as much, tells us a lot of these themes. It says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Again, through his finished works on our behalf, which are counted to us by faith. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Again, our works cannot save us, including circumcision. The only thing that does is faith in Christ and his finished works on our behalf, which are counted to us by faith, right? Verses 26 and 27, continuing on, says this. But if a, or so if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? 
then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. In other words, if a man who is physically uncircumcised keeps the law, in particular, the moral law of God, in other words, what's universally right and wrong as revealed in God's word because it's tied to the very heart and character of God. I think that's what Paul has in mind in particular here. If, if a man who is physically uncircumcised keeps the law through faith in Christ, Christ's perfect righteousness being counted to him by faith, right? So he's counted as a perfect law keeper through faith in Christ. Paul goes on to say, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? In other words, won't he be counted among the true people of God? In other words, the invisible church, those who truly have saving faith in Christ through faith in Christ, those who are truly saved through faith in Christ, won't he be counted among the true people of God because of his faith and the perfect righteousness of Christ that's counted to him by that faith, right? Along with everyone else who has been and will be saved by grace through faith in Christ, both Jew and Gentile alike, won't he be accounted among the true people of God that include all who would ever believe in Christ through faith in him, right? Um, and be saved. The rhetorical, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is yes. Um, because the true people of God, those who are truly saved, the invisible church, uh, are all who look to Christ by faith. That, that's who the true people of God are. All who look to Christ by faith. That's who's truly saved, Jew and Gentile alike. Right? That's the true people of God, the invisible church, those who are truly saved. Right? And won't that faith in Christ result in this physically uncircumcised man striving to live in accordance with the moral law of God as revealed in his word, albeit imperfectly, but more and more each day by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within him because, as we've talked about many times, true faith bears fruit? Yes. Yes. Um, all of which serves to condemn uh, the, the Jew who rejects Christ along with the Gentile who re rejects Christ, along with every other sinner who rejects Christ at the final judgment, which is what Paul is getting at in verse 27. Verse 27 says, Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law... Again, through faith in Christ and Jesus' perfect righteousness being counted to him by faith, which bears the fruit of obedience, albeit imperfectly, will condemn you who have the written code, who have the detailed law of God as revealed in his word and circumcision, but break the law. In other words, to give an illustration, this is kind of what Paul is saying. Those who didn't have the blessings of constant exposure to the word of God of growing up with uh, God's word all around them and yet still believed in Christ and were saved will serve as witnesses to condemn those who, who did grow up around those things and still rejected him. So those who didn't have those things and still believed in Christ will serve as witnesses to uh, condemn those who did have those things, did grow up around the word um, and still rejected him. You know, in other words, it'll be a, well, they got it with far less being revealed to them. So what's your excuse? And there are no excuses for rejecting Christ, right? Um, those who reject Christ will be justly condemned for their sin, for ultimately their rejection of Christ, right? This is reminiscent of Jesus's words in Luke eleven thirty two, 
where Jesus says, The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah, Jesus, (laughs) the Messiah, right? The Savior we've been waiting for, God himself in the flesh, is here. The idea again being here, the kind of overall theme here, that apart from faith in Christ, no one is safe from the wrath of God. Jew, Gentile, churched, unchurched, rich, poor, it doesn't matter who you are, no one is safe from the wrath of God apart from faith in Jesus. And no one who rejects Christ will be let off the hook at the final judgment. That's Paul's point. And so the question is, do we know that? Do we know that? Do we believe that? And are we living accordingly? Right? Do we have saving faith in Christ ourselves? And if not, repent and put true saving faith in Christ while there's still time. Right? And are we preaching the gospel to others if we have true saving faith ourselves with that level of urgency, knowing that no one is safe from the wrath of God apart from faith in Jesus? Loving our neighbors and wanting them to be safe in Christ, right? If not, if that's not the urgency and the love with which we're preaching the gospel to our fellow man, let's together repent by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, verse 28 and 29. Paul goes on to say, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. In other words, the true people of God, those who are truly safe from the wrath of God, are those who have been circumcised inwardly. Those whom, meaning those whom God has caused to be born again, that they now have saving faith in Christ, a faith that bears fruit in how they live, who now live ultimately to glorify God and not for man's approval, albeit imperfectly, because they're still sinners, via the Holy Spirit at work within them, right? not those who have been merely circumcised circumcised outwardly, right? Those who are the true people of God are those who have been circumcised inwardly, have been caused to be born again by God himself, are regenerate, and now have saving faith in Christ as a result, right? Um, Thinking through kind of the imagery of uh, circumcision here helps us. uh, So kind of think through that imagery. Those whose hearts have been set apart by God that they now believe in Christ and ultimately live for him and not man, again, albeit imperfectly, via the Holy Spirit now work within them. Those are the true people of God. Does that make sense? So that's what Paul is getting at. In other words, those who believe in Christ and now bear fruit and live for him because God has caused them to be born again are those who are the true people of God. They alone are the true people of God and they alone are safe from the wrath of God. Again, those who have faith in Christ alone because God has caused them to be born, be born again. Those are the only people that are the true people of God and safe from the wrath of God. Not those who've been circumcised, not those who've been baptized, not those who've gone through confirmation, not those who've, who take communion regularly, not those who give big or serve big in the church, or those whose parents or spouses or friends are believers but lack true faith in Christ themselves, those people won't be saved. Those people are not the true people of God, but only those who have faith in Christ alone are the true people of God 
and will be saved by grace through faith in Christ, right? Because, here's why, this is why. Because Jesus took the penalty of God's wrath that they deserve for breaking God's law onto himself in full in his death on the cross, that through faith in him, they're safe from the wrath of God. That's why. Because Jesus is the Passover lamb for all who put faith in him, that they're safe from the wrath of God, right? He dies in our place that the wrath of God passes us over for all who have faith in Jesus, right? But here's the warning. Like the Passover in Exodus, the only ones who are safe from the wrath of God are those covered in the blood of the lamb, those who have faith in Christ, right? For the rest, for those who reject Christ, never put saving faith in him, the wrath of God is coming. So the warning here is look to Christ while there's still time. Put faith in him while there's still time. Again, as we've talked about many times, uh, salvation through faith in Christ is a limited time offer, right? We have till we die or Christ returns and we don't know when that's going to happen. So put faith in Christ while there's still time. Now, this concept is not new, by the way. Um, the concept that uh, the true people of God, the only people that are truly safe from the wrath of God are those who have uh, saving faith in Christ. Um, this is not a new concept. Um, as we'll see in Romans 9, 6, this is not even a new concept as, as far as only uh, those who are in Old Covenant Israel who had saving faith in the Messiah to come were saved. That's not even a new concept. As we'll see in Romans 9, 6, not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. We'll unpack that when we get to Romans 9, which is going to be a minute. But when we get there, we'll unpack that in detail. Um, in other words, though, not every Israelite who was born physically into the nation of Israel, um, was saved. That's what we're seeing there. Only those who had faith in the Messiah to come were saved, right? This is another way of saying that not everyone who is part of the visible community of faith is saved. Only those who have true saving faith in Christ are saved. This is the concept theologians talk about, the difference between the visible and invisible church. The visible church being the gathered people who are part of a church, um, including the members of the church, right? Um, that's who's part of the visible community, but we don't know within the visible community who actually has saving faith in Christ with certainty. Only God knows that because only God can see the human heart. And so that the, the group uh, of people that do have true saving faith in Christ, either again, in the Messiah to come, if they were in the old covenant or in the Messiah who has, has come, if they're in the new covenant, um, that's the invisible church. And it, we call it the invisible church, those who have true saving faith in Christ, because we don't know who those people are um, with certainty the way that God does, because he sees it, right? He, he knows the human heart and knows who are truly saved and those who are truly not, right? But this, this is just another way of saying that. Um, this was true for Old Covenant Israel, and it's true for the church today. Uh, that being that not everyone in the visible community was saved. And the same is true today. Right? Just because people go to church on Sunday, just because, because somebody's a member of a local church, doesn't mean uh, necessarily that they are saved. They may be, but not everybody who's part of a local church um, is necessarily saved. We don't know who is and who isn't the way that God does. That's why we call the invisible church, those who are truly saved, right? So if you're taking notes, here, here's kind of the main point for this morning, just to summarize all of this. And it's this, the true people of God 
who are safe from the wrath of God are those who have faith in Jesus. I'll say that again. The true people of God who are safe from the wrath of God are those who have faith in Jesus. Not those who have been circumcised, not those who have been baptized, not those who have gone through confirmation, not those who have taken communion, right? These things don't save, but those who have faith in Jesus alone. No one else is part of the people of God, right? And safe from the wrath of God. That's what we're seeing in our text. This was true for Old Covenant Israel. Only those who had true faith in the Messiah to come were saved. Um, And it's true of the New Covenant Church. Only those uh, who have true saving faith in the Messiah who has come are saved, right? And, And truly part of the people of God, right? Another way to put this again would be being part of the visible community does not save. Only those who are part of the invisible community, the true people of God, uh, the the church, the in, invisible church, right, through faith in Christ are saved, right? That's what we're seeing in this text. That's what Paul's unpacking. Now, how do we respond to this? Um, I wanted to leave you guys just with two convicting questions that I'd like us to ask ourselves in, in light of this passage. Number one, do we think that we're untouchable meaning safe from the wrath of God for any other reason other than through faith in Jesus and his blood shed on the cross in our place? Do we think we're untouchable, safe from the wrath of God for any other reason other than through faith in Christ and his blood shed on the cross cross in our place? For any other reason than that Jesus paid it all and took the wrath that we deserve in full for us in his death on the cross in our place? Do we think anything else makes us untouchable? For example, do we think that because we're pastors, right, that's convicting to me. Do we think that because we're pastors, we're safe from the wrath of God? Do we think that because we're deacons in the church, we're safe from the wrath of God? Do we think that because we serve big or give big in the church, that we're safe from the wrath of God? Or that because we grew up in the church or were raised in a Christian home or have done sacrificed, suffered much for the kingdom, we're safe from the wrath of God or because we're good parents or because we're good children to our parents and so forth and so on. Do we think because of these works that we're safe from the wrath of God? Because if so, we've got some repenting to do, (laughs) right? We're only safe from the wrath of God through faith in Christ and his blood shed on the cross in our place to pay for our sins in full. That's the only reason uh, we were safe from the wrath of God. Only way we can be safe from the wrath of God is through faith in Christ. So if we think anything else makes us untouchable, safe from the wrath of God, we've got some repenting to do. Either in looking to Christ for the first time, by putting saving faith in him as, as your one and only hope of salvation, or um, repenting anew, looking to Christ anew, because part of us has started to drift from the truth that Christ is our one and only hope of salvation to hope in another. And this is just idolatry, right? It's rejecting the one true God of the Bible, the one true Savior, uh, Jesus, for a false God, a false Savior. Like, either way, let's repent together wherever we fall short here by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, and look to Christ either for the first time that we'd be saved, put, putting saving faith in him, or anew if we do have saving faith in him, but we've started to drift 
uh, toward hoping in these other things, right? Either way, let's repent together where we fall short by the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, so that's the first question. Secondly, do we have true saving faith in Jesus or are we just playing the part right now? Do we have true saving faith in Christ or are we just playing the part right now? Either for human approval or to try to soothe our conscience, uh, a conscience, right? To you know, say, you know, hey, I go to church, so I'm safe, right? No, that's not true. <laughs> As we said, we're only safe uh, through faith in Christ from the wrath of God. Or worse yet, are we playing the part, even though we don't have true saving faith in Christ, to try to take advantage of the people in Christ's church, right? Which, to, to, to warn you, I do not envy you at the final judgment if that's the case, if you never repent and never believe in Christ because Jesus is protective of his bride. And so I call you to repent and believe in him that you'd be forgiven, that you'd be saved from the wrath you deserve through faith in Christ while there's still time. All right? If this is you, if you don't have true saving faith in Christ, if you're just playing the part right now for whatever reason, Here's the truth. You, you may be able to fool those around you, but you can't fool God, right? They may, and the people around you may not see your lack of true faith, but God certainly does. And you will be judged if you never truly repent, never truly believe in Jesus that you'd be saved, right? You will be found out, right? Um, the, to, to put it this way, to give you an illustration, the invisible church, Right, those who truly um, are saved through saving faith in Christ is invisible to us as human beings. We don't see what God sees, but it's not invisible to God. God knows who are truly his in Christ and they alone will be saved. So if that's not you this morning, I would encourage you drop the act, take off the mask, be honest with yourself and those around you that they can preach the gospel to you and put saving faith in Christ while there's still time, right? Look to Christ by faith, and you'll go from not safe from the wrath of God to completely safe from the wrath of God this morning, if you put faith in him this morning. Because Jesus paid it all, and his full payment for your sin is counted to you by faith, right? So again, church, the true people of God who are safe from the wrath of God are those who have faith in Jesus. Let's remember that good news and live accordingly by the power of the Holy Spirit for the rest of our time together this morning and with the rest of our lives. Pray with me, church. Lord, we just thank you for this time together this morning. Um, Lord, as we gather together um, in an unconventional way, but we, we just praise you and thank you that we're able to do this, that you've given us the, the blessing of technology to be able to do this. And so we thank you for that. I pray that, um, Jesus, that you would be our one and only hope, that we would remember that we're safe from the wrath of God in no other way than in you, uh, than being in you, in Christ, through faith and your perfect righteousness and payment, full payment for our sin being counted to us by faith. Lord, help us to remember that that is the only way that we're safe from the wrath of God and to repent of ever thinking otherwise. Lord, help us to do that. Give us the desire and ability to do so by the power of of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. I will see you guys uh, next week. 
head on over to ransomcitychurch.org. Look for the video that we posted. Um, again, click on the Sunday live stream picture that's on the front page and you'll see the video down below uh, where Greg's going to lead us in worship and song and through the rest of our digital service this morning. So head on over there and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.